Welcome to the Movie Journey Podcast, where we break down every film from the IMDb Top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and you listen to me. I'm a podcast man, not a red herring. I've got a job, a mother, a wife, and several bartenders that depend upon me, and I don't intend to disappoint them by getting myself mistaken for Dean Jeffrey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, beat that. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) This is maybe my worst ever. Well, that's saying something. I know, I've had some shockers. So, normally I do my intro, right? I'll be watching what a film. What are you doing? You don't I'll... describe this shit. <laughs> I'll be watching a film and I'll hear a quote and I'll be like, ooh, that's an easy thing I can just turn into an intro. Stop peeling back the curtain. Anyway, I'm watching it and I'm just like, uh, yes, yeah, so I've written this thing down and I'm looking at it now and I don't even know the point in the movie where they even say it or what this is even relevant to, but... And I'm Dean Jeffrey, and I'm trying to think thin too. What? <laughs> I don't know who says that. Someone talks about it, and I was like, "Yeah, that's good enough." Don't know. That is horrendous. Moving on. <laughs> Yours was like good as well. You put effort into that. The story of our podcast. And today we're breaking down Alfred Hitchcock's North by Northwest. <laughs> What is North by Northwest? I know what North is. I know what Northwest is. What's the notion of, you know, like, direction by direction? I don't know. Interesting. I really expected more from you, Hendo. So, North by Northwest is a 1959 American spy thriller produced and directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Six films in the IMDb Top 250 list. Can you name any of them? Rear Window. Okay, you name one of the two that we haven't done a breakdown on. I named one of the two that we haven't done a breakdown on. Yeah, we've done four of his films as breakdowns, what? including this. Vertigo. Yes. North by Northwest. Yes. You picked one of these goddamn films. Really? Rebecca. Rebecca. Dial in for murder. And dial in for murder. What's the other film that is in the list that we have not done? The Birds. No, we've done The Birds. Um, I've watched The Birds, which means it's not in the list. Yeah. The other one that we haven't done... Rope? Hmm. Why are you shaking your head like that? That is Hitchcock. Yeah. I can't believe you didn't pick Psycho. Oh, Psycho. Yeah. Yeah. Starring Cary Grant, Eva Marie Saint, and James Mason. Who's James Mason? The bad guy? Van Damme? Yeah. Could add Martin Landau in there as well. Who's Martin Landau? The henchman bloke. Oh, my God. Leonard? Yeah. That's Martin Landau? Yes, it is. I only know him as a hundred-year-old, so... (laughs) Yes, it's true. So do I. That's blown me away. (laughs) That's what he looks like. Wow, it's weird seeing him without his face hanging off, you know? <laughs> wow. He's a strong, strapping man, isn't he? Look at him. Look at him now. Maybe not. Is he gone? He's probably gone. He was very old in rounders. <laughs> How about I tell you to go watch North by Northwest? Is that something you might be interested in? I uh, don't get that reference. God damn it. Entourage. <laughs> what? Don't throw an entourage reference at me. I'm never going to get it. All right. Cinematography by Robert Burks, who's done like at least 10 Hitchcock films. No psycho, though. He got nominated three times for A Patch of Blue, Rear Window, and Strangers on a Train. He did win for To Catch a Thief. I watched Strangers on a Train once. I did too. Good was- Hitchcock film. It was. Probably still is. Music by Bernard Herman. We've already spoken about him before, previously on our Citizen Kane episode. What did he do on Citizen Kane? Only you would ask that question. Was it the music? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> he did win one Academy Award for All That Money Can Buy, and he got nominated four other times for Anna and the King of Siam, Citizen Kane, and he got two nominations, which he got posthumously in 1976 for his music for Obsession and Taxi Driver. 
Coincidentally, a film about obsession. Mm. Very good. Really makes you think. And he lost both of those nominations to The Omen. A film I haven't seen. He also did this, uh, the score for Vertigo as well. Ah, a film I have seen. Mm. But North by Northwest got nominated for three Academy Awards that year. Did not win any. It got nominated for Best Original Screenplay, which it lost to Pillow Talk. Sexy. It lost Best Art Direction in the Set Decoration category in the Colour category to Ben-Hur. This was the year that Ben-Hur won everything. Yes. And it lost Best Film Editing to, drumroll please, Ben-Hur. Remember when we did Ben-Hur? Long time ago, old Ben-Hur. Pretty sure that we just said we weren't going to talk about the last hour of that movie, and we just skipped it. What? Yeah. No way. It, legit, we did, because the whole last hour of that movie is like the resurrection of Jesus, and we're like, yeah. We're, we're, really? Yep, 100%. Like, Isn't basically, there chariots in the last uh, hour? No, basically, after the chariot race and when Masala dies. Wow. Yeah. that's We're just like, yeah, that, that's really all we need to talk about. That's the end of it. Well, maybe. And we thought we were thorough back then. Maybe, dare I say, we need to go back. Oh, no, you're not. We have to go back. No, we're not. Trivia time, Dean. Number one. While filming Vertigo, Alfred Hitchcock described some of the plot of this project to James Stewart. James Stewart. Who naturally assumed that Hitchcock meant to cast him as Roger Thornhill. Boy, was he wrong. He was very eager to play that. Hitchcock claimed that Vertigo's lack of financial success was because of Stewart and how he looked too old. (laughs) (laughs) Good thing he cast a 50-something Cary Grant in his film. Pretty much. MGM wanted Gregory Peck to play the main role here, but Hitchcock instead cast Cary Grant, like you said, who's four years older than James Stewart. By the time Hitchcock realised the misunderstanding, Stewart was so anxious to play Thornhill that rejecting him would have caused a great deal of disappointment. So Hitchcock delayed the production of this movie until Stewart was already safely committed to filming Anatomy of a Murder before officially offering him the role in the movie. Stewart had no choice but to turn down the role, allowing Hitchcock to cast Cary Grant, the guy he wanted all along. Dodgy bastard Hitchcock. Very dodgy. Hey, Stuart, you want to be in this movie? Oh, I can't. Oh, oh, I mean, damn. I I so wanted you in this movie. Number two, pretty funny considering we've just started this film series on our Patreon. The movie has been referred to as the first James Bond film due to its similarities with splashingly colourful settings, secret agents, and an elegant, daring, wise, cracking leading man opposite a sinister yet strangely charming villain. The crop duster scene actually inspired the helicopter chase in From Russia with Love. Interesting. I don't really see this as anything like James Bond, though, because the spy actively is trying not to be a spy for 90% of yeah. this film. So. You don't see James Bond going, I'm telling you, I'm not James Bond. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, yes. Yeah, no, I don't see it. Number three, Alfred Hitchcock couldn't get permission to film inside the United Nations, so footage was filmed of the exterior of the building using a hidden camera, and the rooms were later recreated on a soundstage. Alfred Hitchcock filmed Cary Grant's entrance into the UN from across the street with a hidden camera, and when he gets to the top of the stairs, a man about to walk down does a double take when he sees Cary Grant, the famous actor. Oh, really? Yeah, didn't go back and look at that. Me neither. Because you didn't know about it. I, re- I actually read all this trivia. Oh, bullshit. I did. You doing trivia on a film that's not Batman. I read it all. It was riveting, Hendo. Number four, the opening title sequence by graphic designer Sol Bass is generally cited as the first to feature extended use of kinetic typography in its opening credits. Essentially, you get a lot of that coming up after this film in many movies. Name one. All the Bond films. Name what kinetic typography is. You see how when the the stuff comes out onto the screen and it, and it's like it, uh, morphing itself onto the onto the uh... oh like in Panic Room 
exactly. That honestly, that's exactly what I was thinking of when this was coming up. Hmm. Number five, budget of four point three million dollars. It grossed two hundred nine thousand in its opening week at Radio City Music Hall, setting a record opening week in the theater, as well as a record non-holiday week gross. Went on to gross another record of four hundred four thousand in the in the second week. In the end, it was a number one film at the U.S. box office for seven weeks and made a total box office worldwide of nine point eight million dollars. Impressive. But let's take a look at the history of North by Northwest in the IMDb Top 250 list. This debuted onto the very first list on the 26th of April, 1996 at number 31. The highest it ever got to was a couple of years later in 1998, where it boosted up to number 14. And since then, it has just been a very small decline to where it currently sits right now at number 105, with an 8.2 over 302,000 ratings. Really not much to tell about this story. It went to 14, and then it, since... I mean, 14 is, is a, you know, is impressive. Yeah, but since then, it's just, just a gradual drop. There's no up and downs. It's just, just a little little gradual drop down. In well, more and more movies were made, Hendo. That's right. <laughs> All right, but let's see what we think of this Hitchcock film, Dean. Our fourth one out of six. Let's do it. That is an old school MGM Lion logo, if I do say so myself. It is really old. Uh, it's actually different to all the others because this has a green background. Yes. To morph in with the opening credits green background. That's true. I thought there was something wrong with my screen. Me too. Yeah. For reals. Yeah, I thought I had For to change reals, the color bro. adjustment. I mean, I, I didn't think I'd have to change the color. I thought there was something I mean, wrong. You just didn't. You just weren't going to. <laughs> if I have to watch this as green, I'm going to do it. <laughs> uh, I really like the score for this. It's fast paced. It's yeah. exciting. I like it. It works really well for this kind of spy, like, adventure film. Yeah. So, we see Cary Grant. Roger Thornhill. And I must admit, I had a moment of stupidity. Ah. Let's call it a moment of Hendoism. Where... I don't like where this is going. I was like, do you wonder if Cary Grant's still alive? Hmm. Do you know what year Cary Grant was born? (laughs) Like 1902 or something? Wow. 1904, Hendo. Yeah. That is... (laughs) Wow, he's old. I wonder. I wonder if. <laughs> I wonder if he's a hundred year old character <laughs> is still alive. Oh, uh, whoops! You know what's funny though? It's not even. It's hundred nineteen. Yeah, I know. It's not hundred nine. Um, what's funny though is I was, I was then like, oh, okay, everyone in this film is dead. Yeah. Right? Eve Saint Marie, whatever her name is, is that her name? Eve Marie Saint, you were close. She's still alive. Wow, because I, I know Martin Landau just passed away very recently. Oh, condolences. He's not my uncle or my grandfather or my great-grandfather. You could just say he's not my Martin Landau. <laughs> As opposed to the Martin Landau I have. <laughs> yeah, she's still kicking. She's very old, but... She'd be, what, uh, 100 now? I think she's 99. She'll hit that 100. I mean, maybe. Not everyone does. Did Cary Grant not hit 100? No, he was 82. He died in 1986. I wasn't even born then. Yeah. Anyway, we see Alfred Hitchcock miss the bus. Classic Hitchcock. Classic Hitchcock. Always missing that bus. (laughs) Maybe you should have walked faster. (laughs) So essentially what we got here is just quickly setting up Roger Thornhill because they really get into this very quickly. Do they? It's like a couple of minutes before the story just just gets into it. Like you got Roger Thornhill walking down the street with his secretary. I know about you, but this walk down the street and cab ride with the secretary felt like it went for a... Way too long. Really? Oh, I was just like, seriously? Am I meant to be remembering all this garbage? No, it's just sitting out Roger Thornhill. This is nonsense. It sets up the character of Roger Thornhill. He doesn't even act like a madman. Do you just assume every 1950s movie just equates to madman? He's in advertising, Hendo. I'm pretty sure he did this from uh, The Apartment as well. He's a madman. (laughs) 
That's insane. He's, I was not like, a, he's not a mad man. I was like, wait a minute. He's in advertising. No, I don't think there's any muck around with this. He goes to his club and there's a bit of a mistaken identity here and they grab him. Well, you are just flying through this. The waiter is like, is there a Kaplan here? And he's like, oh, waiter, can I speak to you? And these two henchmen are just like, wow, that must be Kaplan. You idiots. And what is this waiter even doing? Getting him a drink. Yeah, but so he asks, he has a message for Kaplan, right? Calls out for Kaplan. This guy's like, who's not Kaplan? He's like, hey, can you do me a solid? And he just leaves this Kaplan message. Yeah, no, never mind. So what's the intention of the is it the FBI here that's with this whole fake Kaplan thing? FBI, CIA, the letters don't matter, Hendo. I'm not sure if you caught that, that bit later no, on. No, I didn't. It's the FBI. So, so okay, so what what's the deal with them? Are they purposely putting out this fake Kaplan letter to because they know that these goons are there looking for him? Like, what happens when no one answers the Kaplan letter? Just keeps yelling out Kaplan, I guess. But did they? How do they know he was going to be there? Maybe it's at the hotel that he's staying at. Yeah, because Thornhill knows where to go to this hotel. Because that's something that that actually makes a lot of sense now. Because there, there was an, an issue that I had where I'm like, how do they rock up at this guy's hotel room? Like, do they? How do they even know where this guy was? And it makes perfect sense that they're actually it's actually at this place. Yeah. So maybe that could be a reason. But yep, mistaken identity. They pull this guy in. Man, Thornhill's really are uh, just pretty casual and chilling for. He's a guy very with polite. Gun, <sighs> you know, pressed against him. Yeah, I feel like you know. He could bust out a line like, I hate to shatter your ego, but this ain't the first time I've had a gun pointed at me, sort of thing. And I feel like it is the first time he's had a gun pointed he at me. He doesn't act like it. I know, right? They are pretty small guns. Sort of like a gun you'd see James Bond carrying, maybe. What do you want me to say? <laughs> How dare you? i got to say, these thugs, who are terrible, by the way, they do have a good line here, and it's all downhill for them here. Where is that because they fall off the Rushmore? Thornhill's just like, is this some sort of joke? <laughs> And they say, do you remember this? Yes, it is a joke. We'll laugh about it in the car. <laughs> uh, I was like, good one, thugs. Nice one. Yeah. Clearly, they left their personalities at the hotel here, though. <laughs> All they do is basically stare yes. deeply with a gruff look on their face. But they're getting taken to Townsend. Yes, Townsend. Not Townsend. Townsend. No, it's, I mean, it's not Townsend in the end. But, no, it's called Townsend, this house. That's the name of the guy whose house it is. Yeah, it's also the name of the house. So the ta- so Townsend named his house Townsend. I mean, wouldn't you? I'd call it Goldeneye. You'd call it Hendo. <laughs> but yeah, Thornhill is really a smug prick throughout this whole I mean, I disagree because it's Cary Grant. But he just acts like, oh, I'm not in any trouble here. Like, just send me on my because way. Because he's, he's, he knows they've got the wrong guy. He's just like, listen, you got the wrong guy. But and and in fairness, more, like, it's not- nicer about it? Like, to have a nice, friendlier chat rather than be a dick? It's n- No. What? He's just been held up at gunpoint and pulled into a car. Yeah, so take it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> You're being like, oh, have a nice, friendly chat? Like, no. Uh, if I'm getting held at gunpoint and taken to this place where this clearly evil bloke- It's not like, like some dark alleyway. Listen, This mate, is a mansion. You better tell me what's going on here or things are going to be pretty bad if you're like, yeah, I just got a gun pointed at me in the right, on the right here. I will explain this very nicely and proper. I'll show you my ID and be very nice and formal. You can call my whatever. Rather be like, listen, you let me go right now, all right? Well, there's going to be hell to pay. So, he's an important man. Oh, advertising, yes. He's a madman. Thank you. Finally, you're <laughs> catching on. <laughs> But no, they they he's, he says obviously he can't tell them what they what he, they want to hear because he's not Kaplan. It's funny because I haven't seen this in a long time. I think I've only seen this once. I was unsure if he was Kaplan 
I was thinking, hey, maybe there's a plot twist where he actually is Kaplan, but that did not come. I also did not remember much of this film. Did you think he could be Kaplan? No, this is when it my memory kicked in. Like, oh, that's right. He's mistaken for the spy rather than actually being the spy. But I didn't remember how he got to the point where he's running across Mount Rushmore <laughs> with this woman being yeah. chased by these people. Yep. Uh, but no, they have a pretty good idea here. I mean, I say pretty good. It fails miserably. But <laughs> they have a pretty good idea here where they fill him with bourbon and put him in a car and, you know, put the pedal down. Now... I must say, great camera work showing the effects of drunk driving. I agree to an extent. I think it goes on for far too long. It This car chase where he keeps swerving out of the car's way, it goes on for too long. It is excessive. What's excessive is how drunk he was, Hendo. I was on the edge of my car seat. I think this is sole purpose here is to show perhaps some innovative techniques that are being shown back in the 50s. Like, hey, look how good this is. And it was successful. But right now, it is too long. Listen, if we're going to watch these old films, you can't just be like, oh, it's slow, it's old. Like, Hang on, hang on. Slow and old? Yeah. You're just like, oh, it goes for too long. Like, older movies have a slower pace, Hendo. You're talking about a scene where he's driving drunk down the road. It's not slow. It just takes, there's just too much of it. Okay, but were you bored? No, but it was excessive. So you were enjoying it? To a point. Sounds like it was a successful scene. I don't think it was at all. Why? Because it was too long and excessive, showing the same thing over and over. So you were bored by it? Sure. You're going to get, you're going to, we're going to keep going around. Is there you go. <laughs> don't, don't go off about, oh, you think because it's old, it's bad. You go on about, oh, this looks cheap because it was made on a small budget. It's shit. I never said that. I think you've said that for many cheap looking films out there. <laughs> I'll tell you, one, one little thing I picked up on is when Thornhill calls his mum from the police station, right, and he speaks to her for a while, he puts the phone down, and, and you know what he says? He goes, that wasn't my mother. And I was like, because oh, it's fake. He's not Thornhill. When did you stop thinking that he wasn't Thorn- Thornhill? When you get the scene with the professor and all the other FBI uh, people yeah, when they saying, the yeah, <laughs> um, Kaplan's made up. This guy's just taking the fall for it. Yeah. That's when. Kind of burst my bubble a bit, to be honest. <laughs> I must say, very impressive how quick this turnover is for this court case. Oh, it's like next day. I was like, oh, wow, this must have jumped ahead in time. Nope. Nope. This because the they next go back day. to Townsend's house that yeah. the next day. <laughs> how good is the scene when they go back to Townsend's house and he's like, ah, yes, this is where they keep all their liquor and he opens it up and it's all books. <laughs> <laughs> and that's enough for them to go, righto, drunkie. Yeah. Uh, they could have changed that pretty quickly, which that, they did. That woman was great. Yes. That woman is just like, oh, you didn't drive, did you? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And he says the couch would have stains on it. Like, what? How do you know that? So they get back to the hotel. Him and his mum go back to this hotel. And they break into Kaplan's room. Like, what? Why is he doing this? Yeah, I don't understand it, especially when... Like, the mum says to him, just pay the $2, Roger. That's what he's fighting against here. He's trying to get the cops so he can not have this fine. And then he okay, pays his mum. Incor- that's incorrect. What? That is a, th- a throw call. That's like a callback line to an old film that Hitchcock was quite fond of, where the line was, just pay the $2. It wasn't a $2 fine. It's uh, just like a, yeah. That's disappointing, then. <laughs> It would have been it would have been much more funny if it was like it was a two dollar fine. That's, that. that's what I thought it was. I was like, wow, that's uh, 
Yeah, I guess drunk driving wasn't as big an issue back then. I mean, him going into Kaplan's room, it's like, why, like, why are you doing this? Leave it alone. Like, breaking into the room is just going to make the people who think you're actually Kaplan make you think you're actually Kaplan. I mean, I think it's more a question of pride at this point for him. He's trying to clear his name to his mother. Puts on his clothes as well. <laughs> Answers the phone. As Kaplan. This, this is, is Kaplan. Ridiculous. Ah, Kaplan. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think going to happen? <laughs> I like that none, no one at the hotel has met Kaplan before. Again, yeah. this wasn't when I realised that Kaplan didn't exist at all. Uh, that was good, though. Gets in the elevator with uh, the goons. And there's the mum. Are you trying to kill my son? And they'll just laugh. There's a long pause, though. Yeah. There's an awkward pause. I love it how he opens the door and runs and just doesn't give a shit about his mum anymore. Yeah. Ditches the mum. <laughs> Ditches the mum. Just jumps into this cab. And he says, oh, there's a car following me. Can you do anything about it? And the driver's like, yeah, for sure. And then the next scene, they're just right behind him when he pulls up to the UN. <laughs> Good job, buddy. <laughs> so what's, what does he do? He goes into the UN here. He meets this real Townsend. The goons kill him. That's Hold he- on, Bob, Bob. That's a really good scene. Oh, where he doesn't know what's going on. So where Townsend? Yeah, yeah. So, so ooh, plot twist. Yeah, no, I was, I was like, ooh, because I didn't know that. It was yeah, great. I didn't know that either. I was really, I was expecting to see Van Dam. But he gets a knife in the back and he grabs the knife and pulls it out. Yeah, and then of course there's a guy with one of those huge bloody cameras, like. Tick. But what are you? I just. You're not an idiot. This guy, this Thornhill's not an idiot. He's acting like an absolute idiot. You don't though. know how you would react if you were shaking someone's hand and they were like pushed into you and you realized they had a knife in the back. I certainly wouldn't grab the knife and pull it out. Why not? Maybe you grab it and put pressure on. He doesn't do that. He no, he doesn't. He looks stunned with the he knife. He grabs in his it, hand. holding the knife yeah. like he's doing stabbing motions. This is where Dean uh, realized the plot when the agency tells the plot. For all those people who don't know what's actually going on here, let me explain it to you. Yeah. So, Kaplan, I, I do like... Oh, yeah, I must say, like, the, the story... The story's good, because yeah. they create Kaplan so that Van Damme thinks that the FBI, who's definitely after him, the person who's, you know, near to him is Kaplan, not Eve. Yeah, it's I like that. It's very clever. I like that. And they say, yep, yeah, we've got to sacrifice Thornhill there because they think he's the spy. And that, honestly, that's what they do. That's what they have to do. Like, they're they not risking, of they're not Kaplan. risking, you know, this Van Damme guy and everything they've got going mm-hmm. for the sake of this random guy who's, you know, going to his hotel, trying on, on his clothes, clothes. answering his phone. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm not Kaplan. <laughs> You've done everything to prove you're Kaplan. So we're at the train station here. This is weird because he goes to the train station and tries to get on a train and it's like, oh, there's a train in five minutes or you can catch the one later. And he's like, no, 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 no. And then he gets on and Van Damme and Eva are on the train. Like, they don't know that he's going to be on this train. Is Van Damme on the train? He's certainly on the train. Is Van Damme not on the train? Oh, I think he no, is. No, the, yeah, he is. That's right. Yeah, he is. That's, and, yeah, and I'm thinking that exact same thing. When I see that he's on the train, I'm like, how are they on the train? It's, isn't it a random yeah, train? Yeah, it's random. It, I, don't, I didn't understand that. Yeah, very bizarre. Uh, but now we get the even Thornhill bump into each other. She covers for him. I like that this is explained because watching it, it's like, why is she being so nice to him? Yeah. 
Like, the actual explanation that she's working for the bad guy, but she's really a good guy, um, it works. See, at this point, I thought that she was just, like, a random damsel. Yeah, me too. Me too. Just bumped into. Yep. So, when they're having this classic 50s flirting talk at the table, where they're basically saying, hey, let's go bang, they're so nondiscreet about it. I'm just sitting there going, does she have some sort of secret agenda here? So, it turned out, yeah, when she's actually, you know, working with Van Damme at this point, it's like, oh, yep, okay, makes sense. And that's when I'm starting to clue in, like, this seems very coincidental that they end up on the same train. Even uh, Thornhill here is like, why? Are you so good to me? Should I get up there and show you? <laughs> exactly. Like, damn, girl. Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, it's here where she writes, you know, like, what do I do with him in the morning? And it goes to Van Damme. And yeah. it's like, oh, she's a bad guy. I like the constant plot twist here. Like, it really does keep you on your toes. It does. Especially considering that neither of us knew what was going on here at this point. Yeah. Good, good for a second first time watch. This is what most of my second I know, I envy you. watches are like. <laughs> <laughs> so they escape the train here while they can. He goes. He doesn't. He ha- why is he hanging around the station? Like the cops are running around everywhere looking for him. Because he- toilet and he's having a shave. I mean, it's the fifties. You want to look good. I mean, that is very brazen to be just standing there in the open. You've just got a little bit of shaving cream on your face. I mean, get the hell out of there! Come on. I guess, but I, I mean, the shaving thing is uh, odd, but I think he's hanging around because he's quite taken with Eve. He doesn't want to leave her because he'll never see her again. Love at first sight, Hendo. So Eve gives him directions to the, you know, the, the crop dusting area coming up. Yes. What What's the go here? Like, what what is she supposedly telling Thornhill why he's going there? Because I didn't pick up on this. She's telling him that Kaplan's going to meet him there. So how does she know Kaplan? I thought she was a rando. This confused me. I'm like, why? Hold on. That's a good question. Yeah. They must have explained. There uh, must be a reason. She was on the phone, and because I think Leonard was in the, the stall a little bit further down. Yeah, that's fine. We know she's a- Yeah, yeah I know that. But what does what does Thornhill think? Like, what, in Thornhill's mind, why does Eve know anything about Kaplan? Yeah, because I got incredibly confused here. Like, why is he listening to her to go to this random place in the middle of buttfuck nowhere? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so- Let's get to the dirt crossroad here, the crop dusting. Yeah. The famous shot. Yeah. This is my... Excellent! Yeah, look, there's not really a single scene that stands out in this movie to me. And so, I mean, I have to do it too. Excellent! I mean, to say nothing stands out, it's not... You know, it's not like a bad thing for the film. It's just you've got two massive set pieces of this or Mount Rushmore. This yeah, is I consider, clearly I consider Mount Rushmore, but I nah. I this I have is issues with that too. Yeah, this this is clearly the better scene like that. Or you can pick like tiny moments, like like when he gets fake shot, or when the real Townsend gets stabbed. Like there's all these little yeah. moments you can pick, or little plot twists. But really, this is the scene, and it's not just because. Of the plane, right? Yeah. It's not. For me, honestly, it was... This this point with the anticipation? Yeah, yes. this, this build-up where he's standing there, and I'm like, gee, you wouldn't get this in a film now. No. And he's yeah, standing there... Like? It's a couple of minutes of he's just... standing there, nothing, a car goes by, 
Nothing. Car goes by. Nothing. Car drives up to him. Someone gets out. And it's like, oh, okay. Yep. What happens here? Good shot of them on the other side of the road. Yeah. They're just staring at each other. Bus comes. He gets on it and goes. Oh, yeah, I'm waiting for the bus. Like, I was like, oh. damn, this is really, like, yeah. really Tell good. what's going to happen. And even, like, this guy when he's like, just weird. That guy, uh, crop dusters dusting an area with no crops. It's like, hmm. Hmm. You don't think anything of it, though. And, yeah, crop duster comes over and tries to shoot him. Back and forth a bit. There's obviously that iconic shot from this movie. I mean, yeah. Yeah. There's a few. But, and then he goes into the, is it corn? It has what, to be corn. Whatever crops it is. Yeah. Gets dusted. I didn't realise, like, actual dust. Like, what are they dusting here? I don't think it's dust. It's it looks like dust. It's some sort of spray that they it's use. like poison? I don't think it's poison because I'm trying to kill the crops. They're using it to enliven the crops, I'm pretty sure. Enliven? Yeah. Enrich? One of the two. Invigorate? One of the three. You went with enliven. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah. And then... It's so stupid that this plane flies into the side of the truck. I know, right? It's not like the, the the truck is moving at high speeds or anything. It's also ridiculous that Thornhill here is stopping this truck and he gets run over. Like, he gets down and under the truck. But it shows how desperate he is to get someone to stop here. He literally- get out of the way! Or the truck can just go to the other side. That's a good point. Like, this is like... And the plane had plenty of time to move. And slow down, truck. You saw him a mile away. (laughs) Anyway, it was a big explosion, though. Yeah, it did look good. Of course it was a petrol tanker, you know. Yeah, had to be. Steals the car, heads back to the hotel. Kaplan's gone, because, you know, there's no Kaplan. He realises what's going on, and he sees Eve. Eve's there. Yes. I mean, were they all in the same hotel here? Is there one hotel in this town? I mean, they're in a new town, obviously, because they've caught the train. So how do you know Kaplan was there? Eve told him. Ah, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> but they go back up to Eve's room here, and he's uh, he's not falling for her tricks anymore. But he's try he's trying to act like he's he is because he wants to get a bit of information here. Fakes having a shower. Yeah, that was good. Uh, the whistling, singing in the rain. Of course, you didn't even pick up on it, did you? What? How could you not pick up on the iconic singing in the rain whistling? How's it go? I can't whistle, so I can't do it. I should have just sung it because it's just that tune. I can go put in the clip of you singing it back in the day when you had no voice. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, don't do that. No one wants, <laughs> no one wants to hear that again. Deep in the movie journey vault back when the uh, the IMDb journey was strong. Ah, uh, yes. But now he does the old shade the notepad for the info. Yes. But then he waits for his suit. <laughs> of course. He's got to look good. He's got to look suave doing this because he's technically a spy now. For himself. Because he's Kaplan now. But he's not Kaplan. He may as well be Kaplan. He's not Kaplan. He's Thornhill. He doesn't become Kaplan till later. I got to say, Thornhill confronting Van Damme at this auction, really rubbing it in his face that they fucked. I was like, damn. (laughs) He's brutal here. So he's clearly trying to get this item at this auction. Like he's Mm. so invested. He's not even listening to Thornhill at this time. We find out that this thing has microfilm in it. Yeah, small film. Of what? It's really small. It's hard to tell. What is it? It's uh, images or film of something incriminating. Uh, is it? Who knows? It, it, How did they not even say what was on the film? Uh, we got it. We got the microfilm. Okay. And that's it. Just make it drugs. Like, eh, make it like a big pack of Coke. Yeah. I don't think Coke was prominent in the 50s. What was prominent in the 50s? Acid? No, that was 70s, wasn't it? Heroin? Surely heroin. Heroin's always prominent. Is it? Back in the 50s. Did they have drugs in the 50s? They should have just made it money. I think it's just whiskey. Bottle of whiskey. 
Yeah, should have made this set in the 30s and like have all the 20s and like the bootleg alcohol was the uh, the drug of choice. Mm. Anyway, so he gets arrested here. Good for him. He does pretty good here to make the scene so he can get out of there alive. Pretty funny. Yeah, when he's just there, like, 300. That can't be worth more than $8. All of he's like, <laughs> six. 2,500. <laughs> no, $6. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was good here. I like it. It was pretty funny. Uh, but the cops call it in and then the FBI take him. Yeah, the okay. professor shows up here. Yeah. Tells him that Van Damme is a uh, importer-exporter. What is the import? Uh, I'm expecting Art Vandalay to show up here. <laughs> Potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> no big twist here. Eve is the secret agent. I legit didn't know that. No. I thought it might have been Leonard. No. But then I realized that Leonard, I remember that Leonard dies at the end. Really? Yeah, I remember that. Because one other thing I remember, I remember the Mount Rushmore and I remember the Van Dam or the, the at that point, the main bad guy didn't die, but the but the Martin Landau character did. Mm. Mm. Maybe I remember more than I thought. Yeah, that's a lot to remember. But no, we head to Mount Rushmore now because Thornhill is so invested in this Eve that he needs to still be part of this. Yeah, because the FBI need him to do this so that they're not like sus on Eve. Because yeah. it's pretty obvious that Eve liked getting that Kaplan D, you know? Thornhill D. She like well, they think she it's like Kaplan. the thorn. Really? You're a real thorn in my side, Hendo. Not even dignifying that with a response. Awesome. Really big scene here to convince Van Damme that Eve is not the spy. Very unexpected. When yep. he got shot, yep. I was very surprised. I was like, oh, damn. Van Damme. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was really good. Well, you know he's not dead. I mean, obviously. Yeah, have a little nice little they, do re- they really don't even they, they don't even drag this out of no. having no Cary Grant on, sc- on screen. <laughs> it's like the next scene. Of course. He gets out of the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> Because he thinks that she's not going. She think he thinks that okay, they've shown that Kaplan's dead. They're getting off on the plane. That's it. Well, no, no, no. He's going to keep going. He's pretty distraught about this. He's, he's very done. He's done a very quick one eighty on this person when he thought that she was you know a backstabber and a betrayer to love of my life. I got to do everything to protect her now. Well, he has been married twice before, so you know clearly so he, he wants to get married a third time. Clearly, he falls hard. Like yeah, obviously he does. But he gets knocked out by the uh, the driver here. Because Eve needs to go. Needs to get on this plane. Yes, she does. There is a good line here, though, from the professor. War is hell, even when it's a cold one. Nice, nice. I thought so. I thought it was interesting as well that Eve wasn't... Like, I... When we learnt that Eve was working for for them as a spy, I thought, okay, she's an FBI agent who's been planted in. She fell in love with Van Damme first, and then yeah. they recruited her it's as like a rat. Yeah. yeah. Once she, once they told her of, like, all the bad things he was importing and exporting. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's weird, but all right. I must say the the set design here of the house up top Mount Rushmore. Oh, it's really really good. good. Yeah, stylish house. Yeah, especially the way like it leans all the way out. So you got uh, Thornhill climbing up the the pillars here on the angle to listen in on Leonard and Van Dam having a chat. Leonard is all over this. He knows exactly what's going on. Fucking bold of him to pull the gun. Oh yeah. I was like, I, I was just like, wow, what's he doing? He's betraying him. I didn't realize he was going to shoot the blank gun. And Van Dam, like, at, like correctly so. Just punches him directly in the face. Yeah. Like, you piece of shit. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. What'd you expect? Yeah, a little bit of spy espionage here. Trying to get Eve's attention as he's throwing down notes and all that sort of stuff on the matches. And they basically escape. They get onto Mount Rushmore. I mean, it's okay. Can you name the presidents on Mount Rushmore? Uh, let's see. There is, uh, there's Hamilton. There's Jefferson. There's Lafayette. There's... <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> There's uh, Hercules Mulligan. 
<laughs> oh, who is there? There's there's Washington, Lincoln. Yes, yes. Jefferson. Yes. And the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> who is it? Um, Have a stab. It's, uh... it's not Woodrow Wilson. Oh, that's what I was thinking of. Woodrow. <laughs> <laughs> Can you name any other? Is presidents? there another angle of Washington? <laughs> No. <laughs> Are you good side and his bad side? I mean, without looking this up, I believe it's Roosevelt. Okay. I'll take your word for it. So, it's uh, this this ending, it's it's a bit weird. It's literally Leonard is about to kill Thornhill. He gets snipered and Van Damme's just standing there right next to them. Seems pretty casual. I honestly thought that he was like an informant. Oh, really? I had to I had to look up that he'd been arrested. Wow, departed style. Like, he's just standing there like, oh, you didn't have to do that. It's like, wait, wait, are you, like, in on this? <laughs> like, Leonard was the big bad guy all along. It's like, no, 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 that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's weird. What about this weird transition where he's, like, holding oh. it over the edge? Here we go. Ah, ah. What? <laughs> yeah, that, that threw me a bit. I'm like, what the hell is this? And they're married. And, and, and of course, the whole train goes into the tunnel thing because they're going to bang. I'm like, that is the weirdest transition <laughs> I have seen in a movie. It's a very quick ending. Like, I think, I actually think the Mount Rushmore scene does go for too long. Yeah, because there's a lot of shots of them just like climbing up and down. Yeah. And and you do lose track of where they are and how dangerous the surface they are is on. Like, at some points, it looks like they're on like a curved nose and they, if they just move the wrong bit, they're they're gone. And then at another point, it looks like there's almost steps. You're like, wait, what? Anyway, yeah, odd, uh, odd ending. Yeah, I think the ending to this is is very bizarre. Uh, but that is it for North by Northwest. Any last words? All right, Dean, what's your final thoughts on North by Northwest? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, there's definitely plot holes and things that I didn't understand. And considering you also didn't understand the same things, I'm going to blame the film. That's right. You do look to me for guidance in most things. I think if both of us who are watching closely and doing notes are missing key plot points... As long as one of us is doing it. I think there's issues. Uh, As we said, the the ending's rough, but Cary Grant, it cannot be understated how entertaining it is to watch Cary Grant on screen. It is so easy to tell why this guy was so huge for so long. He is incredibly charismatic. I love watching Cary Grant. And also, like, it is a Hitchcock film. You can tell there are definite, you know, playing with the camera. The direction is Hitchcockian, whatever that means. Uh, For me, though, I am going to drop it. I think for me, I had it at... God, I had this at four and a half. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I had this at four and a half. I'm dropping it to three and a half. Okay. Well, I agree with a lot of what you said there. I think that Cary Grant really brings on the suave and sophistication that this movie needs. He is easily the uh, the best thing about this movie, the leading man who controls the majority of this film. He brings an element of stealth and a, and a lot of humor as well. The story is is very good too. I like this whole mistaken identity plot, even though the character of Thornhill does do some ridiculously dumb shit along the way here. There's a lot of uh, nonsense things that happen but the general premise of this story I thought was quite entertaining and engaging the score for this film is really good too very energetic and upbeat I also think the dialogue and the script in this film is very sharp as well and I, I think that has a, a that, that does have a lot to do with Cary Grant and how he delivers that but I feel like the majority of this film is very sharply written in regards to characters dialogue not in regards to plot devices and things like that 
There is a lot of stuff that is an issue with this film, though. I, I think it does drag at certain points, and like I said, uh, a majority of this plot just doesn't make any sense. The ending is incredibly weird. There's nothing that truly stands out for me with this film. I think it's very mid-tier Hitchcock, and I'm going to go a slight three stars. Fair enough. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Dean, where's this going to sit on your rankings? All right, for me, yeah, I mean, we've done so many... So many classics, like really uh, highly rated films lately, that yeah, I'm I'm going towards the bottom end of the list here. Not not too far down, but let's let's start with another really old film here at number sixty four. Rebecca, I do think Rebecca's better than this. Then we keep going down. It's a Wonderful Life. I prefer Hachi. I mean, come on, Hachi's way too low there. Uh, Hachi's better, and then we hit Amadeus. 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 Yeah, that's where it's going to stop. I think North by Northwest is better than Amadeus, so it is going to be my new number 67. All right, Hendo, what about you? All right, let's start at the bottom of my three-star list, which is actually quite small. Let's put it against A Beautiful Mind, and I think that this is better than that film. Oh, you do hate A Beautiful Mind. I do indeed. I mean, I Wow. I'm not trying to defend I was it joking. I, I am clearly joking as well. It's a three-star film. Sherlock Jr. is next. This is better than Sherlock Jr. I also think it's better than Infernal Affairs, and I do think it's better than Doctor Strange, Love or How I Learned to Stop Wearing a Love Bomb. I don't think it's better than How's Moving Castle, though, so I'm going to put North by Northwest as my new number 81 out of 90 films we've done, Dean. Wow, closing in on the 91st. Wow, we're pretty close now, I reckon. My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the 5th Annual Livestream for the Cure. To do that, I brought along two people whom I couldn't do this event without, Gerald Morris and Dan Brennick. Over the past four years, the Livestream for the Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air. Tune in May 19th through the 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer. Together, we can make a difference. All right, before we continue, we'd just like to say this show is brought to you by our awesome patrons who've been supporting the show for nearly three years, Dean. Yes, they have. They are fantastic, and we are forever, forever, forever. We're forever oh, grateful. We love our forever patrons. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just started our James Bond series over there. We just released Dr. No. Got a big, long 26 weeks ahead of us. Yes, we do. I'm looking forward to it. I'm a bit hazy on the non-Connery Craig Bonds, so... Uh, keen to rewatch the the middle ones. Yeah, there are a couple of good gems in the middle there. We seem to be releasing a lot of stuff over there for our patrons at the moment. When we do give out our top five episodes during the main feed, we also release our top ten for that particular list out for our patrons. We just updated our tier levels. Lots more content coming out for the patrons. If you want to check out anything we've got to offer over there, just head on over to patreon.com slash themoviejourney. All right, mate, let's get to... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is, and this oh. could be it. Oh. Where we let our patrons review the films that we break down. First one here from David Powell. Cary Grant being chased by a plane. That scene atop Mount Rushmore. Eva Marie Saint. Bernard Herman's score. Soul Bass opening. This is peak Hitchcock. All right, then. Next up from Nerdrovert. Not sure I'd put it in rear window tier Hitchcock. Doesn't pack quite the same punch on a rewatch, but still a great Cary Grant performance. Three and a half. Right there with you, Nerdrovert. Very good. Thank you guys for putting in a response. But, of course, we've got... 
Alfred Hitchcock and Cary Grant have made countless films, together or separate, over the years and I'm not going to pretend to have a grasp on either's filmography. From what I have seen though, they're both exceptionally gifted at their craft and pairing Hitchcock's vision with Cary's acting prowess does create a match made in heaven. Cary Grant is a truly magnificent actor. Even when I was a kid, I absolutely loved Cary Grant. You know, someone would want to put on an old movie and I just wouldn't be interested in it at all until they say, Cary Grant's in it. Oh, well, why didn't you say so? I only rewatched um, North by Northwest a few years ago, but I've already forgotten everything that was in the movie. So watching it again today, it was like a first time viewing. Absolutely love the plot, love the characters. The mystery of Grant being set up as a secret agent is really compelling. The film's plot, you know, you just don't know where it's going to go. It's really unpredictable. And Carey has this everyman quality that you can really put yourself into his shoes and you want to root for him the whole movie. The cinematography, the scenes, the setting, it's all captivating. I mean, I suppose it's not its not the best film of its type. I prefer Charade and Rear Window, but North by Northwest holds up to, say, Vertigo. It's just an excellent movie, oozing class and expertise that's irreplicable in this age. In fact, it does make me want to watch more Hitchcock films. He's got to be my favourite director until maybe the 1990s. Yep, so love the movie, love Cary Grant, and the, the bad guys were pretty cool in this one. Four stars. All right, Shane, with a North by Northwest love there. With the Hitchcock love, favourite director until the 90s. <laughs> I wonder what, wonder who took over then, Tarantino? Surely. Yeah, has to be. Scorsese? I mean, if he's including 90s Scorsese, but not 80s and 70s, mostly 70s Scorsese, then uh, I disagree. Hmm. Anyway, thanks, Shane, for that great review. Thank you, Shane. We're both masters. Who won? How did it end? All right, mate, it's time to find out the results of our Pod V Pod 46 movie draft, where we battled The Vern from Cinema Recall in our blind movie draft on Stephen King adaptations. Now, we were lucky enough to draft first, and we picked The Shawshank Redemption, Good The Shining, pick. The Green Mile, It Chapter 1, and The Mist. And The Vern took Misery, Stand By Me, Carrie, Christine, and The Running Man. All right, let's take a look at some responses here. Joe Banyard said, Can't believe neither team picked The Lawnmower Man. Yeah, look, uh, I, I, I considered never picking it. Mm. I've heard that it's nothing like the book. I have no idea. Binge movies say movie journey all day. Renegade says the same. Team movie journey and it's a blowout. TV's Travis, the one and only, says no contest. Team movie journey here. And that's not because Team Cinema Recall has poor choices. But Shawshank and The Shining on the same list. That's almost unfair. Gidget Von LaRue says, Team Cinema Recall gets my vote. Christine is so underappreciated. Mario in the Bar says, Man, this is hard. Good movies on both teams, but going with Team Cinema Recall simply because they have Stand By Me on it, and it's one of my top ten movies of all time. That's a good reason to pick that list then. Awesome patron Eliani Silvermere says, Wow, is Team Movie Journey stacked? In session, films say, I do love Team Movie Journey, but Stand By Me is maybe my favourite of the bunch. Misery is excellent, and Carrie is one of the great horror films. And Christine isn't talked about enough. My vote goes to Team Cinema Recall, but great stuff all round. Thank you very much, JD. Nerd Revert says, Team Movie Journey not only has four heavyweight picks, they all show the range of Stephen King as well. Cinema Roulette Podcast say, Team Cinema Recall, not much of a contest in my eyes. Give me blood, and I guess stand by me. (laughs) 
Brother Shane said, you had me at Shawshank. Hmm. Louis Ream says, the only King film I can tolerate is Salem's Lot. Otherwise, Team Cinema Recall appears to be the less painful of the choices. Wow. Thanks, Louis. Appreciate it. Jesus. Paradise City said, that's not even close. Some of the greatest movies ever made in Team Movie Journey. Last one here from Rob Manafield. Team Movie Journey by a Green Mile. See what you did there. Yeah, very good. Impressive. All right. Thank you very much, everyone, for commenting, putting in a vote. At the end of the day, 73% to Team Movie Journey. That puts us at a 4 nil one victory overall. Bad luck, Vern. Yeah, bad luck, mate. So, what's next? All right, Hendo. It's your pick next. What's going to be the next film? I want to try and pick something that's going to top north by northwest. Ah, so you've gone for an easy pick then. Yeah, look, I don't want to go for something that's just an outright banger, I guess. Maybe it might be. Might be for you. Might be for me. Who knows? Leave it a little ambiguous there. Pretty sure you just said it wasn't for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm going to go with a film from the late 90s. I'm not going to muck around with it. I'm picking The Truman Show. Ah, one of your favourite films. Very good. Yes, one of my all-time favourite films. Can't wait to watch I think I've seen it before. I'll have to uh, check it out. Yeah, and I think we'll accompany The Truman Show with our top 10 Jim Carrey films. Oh, Jim Carrey films. Yeah, why not, hey? Very good. All right, that's going to do it for North by Northwest. We will have our top five spy films coming up over the next couple of days to accompany North by Northwest. But until then, thank you very much for checking out the episode. We'll see you next time for The Truman Show. Bye. Bye.